Everyone knows how to play poker. Poker, poker. But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. Poker. This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And thanks for joining us once again on Poker Action Line. Big Dave Lemon, Joe Rodriguez, bringing you all the latest news in the World Series of Poker, which uh, came out with uh, some very interesting stuff today that I guess we'll start the show off with. Uh, Also, a couple of big tournaments, online tournaments, the WPT online event down to the final two players. Uh, David Peters, who uh, I have talked to several times over at the Hard Rock. I don't think we've ever had him on the show, but... Uh, a couple times in the uh, cafeteria area, he had some conversations with him. Really nice guy. In fact, uh, our old friend Randy Casper was the one who had first mentioned Peters to us years ago and what a great player he's going to be, and boy, was he right. Uh, Rock Gostiza from Slovenia is uh, in head-to-head action with Peters. Peters had a huge lead, like 177,000 chips, 177 million chips to 38 and Gustiza came all the way back, took the lead, was leading 158 million to 79 or 78 million. Now Peters won a couple hands and uh, they are pretty close once again, 137 to 99. So uh, they're finishing up that. Also, the Poker Masters, uh, some news coming out about that. Uh, several events in the books. Daniel Negranu picked up one of the titles, event number five. And uh, I believe they're playing their main event now, if I'm not mistaken. But we'll check that out and try to bring you some news on that later. Uh, Joe, how you doing? Uh, uh, the place where you started life in poker had a little incident uh, yesterday. <laughs> well, yes. Uh, part of their wall exploded yesterday. Yeah, they don't um, have poker at the Classic. But, uh, but they were down for all of 10 hours. I don't yeah. know if you knew that. Yeah, I did. I saw it this they morning. They reopened the doors just, 10 hours after that happened, and people were waiting to go in. It was some equipment behind a wall uh, actually blew up and blew some uh, part of the wall away. Uh, I guess about 20 people were hurt. Nobody seriously? I don't know. What did you hear about that? That's exactly what I heard, that uh, supposedly six people were trans. Most of them were minor injuries treated on the spot, and people walked away. Six went to the hospital. Uh, last night I was listening to it on our local news here and four of them had already gone home. Only two were left in the hospital, but they didn't say, you know, what kind of injuries they had. Probably cuts, cuts and bruises would probably be the most I would imagine. I think it was, it wasn't really late at night or was, uh, no, it happened at 10 in the morning. Oh, 10 in the morning. Okay. 10 in the morning. And they, they reopened by eight o'clock at night. Okay. So. When I saw it, because it was funny, the rumors flying around my place was, oh, did you hear the roof caved in at the Classic? Oh, jeez. And, you know, 20 people were injured, seriously going to the hospital. And, you know, when I finally was able to see the stuff last night, you know, yeah, it was, you know, a nice size hole in the wall that exploded outwards. Uh, There were slot machines right below it. Um, So... You know, it it got it got it got uh, blown up a lot higher as, as as how bad it was. I believe by people just you know putting their two cents in. 
Well, I don't want to be cavalier about it, but uh, when you uh, you are located about 400 yards from the Seminole Hard Rock and the Guitar Hotel and all of that, and you're playing at the Seminole Classic, uh, I guess you have to be a smoker. That's why. Yeah, that's, you know, well, uh, that's, that place, yeah, you're allowed to smoke just about everywhere in there, if I'm not mistaken. Well, that was so. the that was the reputation for years and years that if you wanted to uh, have some problems with lung cancer, then that was the place to go. But uh. well, listen, uh, it's a funny story. My first day as a as a uh, supervisor, my first night as a supervisor at the Classic in '94, people could smoke at the table, and I was smoking at the podium while working. Wow. Okay, almost. I would say almost all the supervisors smoked and we were allowed to smoke at the podium. So my wife and daughters hate the fact that I smoked and the smell. Well, when I'm telling you that six players per table, no less than five were smoking at any time in, in the six pit, six table pit that I was supervising. When I left that started at four in the afternoon, when I got to my car at about 1230 midnight to go home, I entered my car, the smell of nicotine, of smoke on me was so strong that I said, oh my God, my wife's going to hit the roof. And sure enough, I walked into our bedroom and she woke up from a sound sleep just because how bad I smelled. Oh God. So like you said, if, if, <laughs> if you wanted to lose a lung or something, that was the place to go play and, and work if you were a smoker. Yeah, well, times have changed, uh, but the interesting thing, and you've mentioned several times on the show, that when there became a ban on cigarettes in a lot of these places, you you would think there would be a big outcry, but there wasn't. Most people uh, were happy about it. You're 100% correct, Dave. And as, as a you know more serious smoker back then, I thought it was going to affect it because just about everywhere that I played, uh, privately, not to mention, you know, coming from Mikasuki, which also allowed smoking to the Seminoles. Um, I said, oh, my God, when they put those bands in, um, you know, it's going to kill poker. And it, the, the effect was just the opposite. Right. It, it helped it immensely. So good for well, good for them, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's 27 years ago when, now, I guess, when you started there. Let me tell you something, though. But as a manager of a small room, and knowing that about 40% to 50% still smoke, it sucks because the games kind of stop. The smokers all go at the same time to take a smoke, and then they come back. And So you've got a table with no action going for five or ten minutes at a time. Right. <laughs> so the dealers are upset because they're not making any money, and the house sure isn't making any money. So uh, it, it, it's a pain in the ass from that regards, but... Yeah, absolutely. Otherwise, it's it's been uh, a wonderful thing that has brought people out to to the room as these tournaments have grown. So I, that's one of the factors, along with what happened with money makers. So, right. Um, just a quick note: uh, people that have not heard today, uh, another death associated with poker today. Norm McDonald, the comedian. Uh, who was an avid poker player, played in a lot of celebrity tournaments, actually won over $20,000 at an event one time, played in the World Series for many years. Uh, he had a very private battle going on with cancer and passed away today at, at the age of 61. So disappointing, yeah, but, 
But uh, great comedian, very dry humor, of course, uh, famous for his appearances on Saturday Night Live, where he did the weekend update for many years and had some special <laughs> characters. Um, but uh, I don't think they, they went into detail on, the, on his disease because he wanted it to be very private. And uh, he passed away today. But he, uh, the one thing most people don't know in his relationship to poker is that he actually became the host of season, I guess it was season seven of High Stakes Poker, which was about 10 years ago. I think 2011 was season seven. And that was the last season for like 10 years. They did renew it in November. But uh, he took over for Gabe Kaplan as the host of that show. And uh, uh, I don't remember seeing too many episodes of it, but I'm sure he added his uh, pretty unique brand of humor to that. Yeah, David, I, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because I had totally forgotten about that, that he had taken over for him. So, uh, uh, you know, sorry, sorry, you know, condolences to the family. Uh, but he was a funny guy. And I don't know if you saw him do his weekend updates, you know, with his dry humor that he had. Yeah, he was great. What, what actually, which is what actually cost him his job. I was reading, you know, when I saw the, the info, you know, the messages that he had passed, that he pissed off the president uh, for doing the O.J. Simpson uh, jokes back then. Yeah, it was uh, the guy who produced uh, Don Olmeyer, I think, was That's the producer it. of Saturday Night Live, was supposedly good friends with O.J. and uh, told him to knock it off and he would keep doing it. But uh, I know the, the, the comment he made when uh, the day that the verdict came out and he said, well, folks, I guess murder is illegal now in California. <laughs> so, yeah, he, he, it was brutal. I've I've enjoyed watching some of that old Saturday Night Live things on uh, on YouTube, you know. So, and I think uh, there was probably no comedian that. Uh, well, I, I don't want to say that because there's lots, but other that that doesn't worry about what people think about him. Yeah, and he was a favorite to most of the other actors on there for that same reason. Yeah, I've seen interviews with Colin Quinn, uh, you know, and a bunch of the other people that were, you know, there in, in the cast when he was on it, and they all said, you know, that was a f that working with him was so funny because you never knew what was going to come out of his mouth <laughs> and what he was going to say. So. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, let's move on to a World Series of Poker news coming out today. Um, you know, there's a huge divide between the players and the anti-vax. Uh, people and the people who uh, were very happy about the World Series of Poker with their vaccination mandate in place. There was also a mask mandate, but they pulled that today. Uh, big news for a lot of players who felt that they were vaccinated and they shouldn't be required to wear the mask. Uh, it's funny, I, 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 uh, I was reading a story about uh, the producer of the television broadcast, uh, Maury Eskandani, and uh, there was nobody happier than him because he talked about how much of a problem the masks were for him covering an event. And, and I've noticed the same thing, too, going over the hard rock and players that I uh, had had on the show and knew for years. A lot of them walk right by me and I didn't even recognize them because of the masks. And, and it's hard to go up to somebody and, and uh, when you're not really sure exactly who it is. So uh, uh, poker media is uh, happy about it but that came out today and uh there's still some controversy because supposedly um the dealers are the only ones that will be there that are not requiring 
uh, proof of vaccination from. So uh, the governor came out today, Steve Sisolak, uh, Nevada governor, said that uh, because the World Series of Poker uh, requires proof of vaccination, that they wouldn't be required to uh, force a mask mandate. So a lot of people are happy about that. And a lot of people say it doesn't really go far enough. So again, you're always going to have the people on one side or the other. Um, what are your thoughts, Joe, as far as people in your room, they would be happy if they didn't have to wear a mask, I'm sure. Absolutely. You know, they, and you did say, I want to make sure I heard this correctly, the dealers that they're going to be working the, the WSOP, um, don't have to be vaccinated? Well, I, what here's what they said. A lot of players weren't happy. They approached uh, Caesars Entertainment, and the company released a statement. They said all Caesars team members, WSOP team members, are strongly encouraged to get COVID-19 vaccine. Caesars is committed to making vaccination easy and accessible. Uh, additionally, the company is providing significant incentives for team members who choose to be vaccinated, but that's as far as they win, which means there's not going to be forced to do it. Wow. And so a, a lot of players state, are, isn't it? That's a democratic state. Yeah, well, I guess, uh, you know. but, uh, the, the players, the response, common response is basically one guy says, uh, 10 handed poker with unvaccinated dealers and no masks. What could go wrong? Yeah. I, I, I I don't understand that, but hey, you know, they're not going to let the players do it. Unvaccinated, I could see without the mask as long as you're vaccinated, but, uh, you know, that makes absolutely no sense to me, Dave. I'm trying to wrap my head around it, and I can't. Yeah, yeah, and I can't either. But uh, there'll be some arguments over the next few days. Uh, the tournament's only a little over two weeks away, so we'll see what happens. But uh, uh, pretty crazy, um, you know. Concerns a lot of players that are, uh, you know, realize how bad it is. And I've told you before, Joe, that, you know, I worked in the poker room at Dania and I was vaccinated totally, but I got the breakthrough infection and I'm sure I got it from players in the poker room. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and um, again, if I had decided to go and play over there, obviously, you know, you, me, Joe, we all three of us have gotten vaccinated. I and I believe Gio has too, right, Joe? I will not disclose his personal and private information on the air. <laughs> there you go. Well, then, you, then maybe he hasn't gotten it, but you know. No, no, I will disclose. Us, hey, the three of us have. I will not you know? also disclose uh, that he is stupid either. So. You know. <laughs> and I don't mean to call people stupid. That's not what I'm saying. You, you uh, that's not exactly what I meant. Yeah. That's not what I said, but not not necessarily that I didn't mean it. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I get it at work still. It just amazes the hell out of me. But, um, and and to tie in something else for you know, not that it's going to be now, but if you guys can let me know about Joe Biden saying that companies that have over a hundred employees that everybody has to be vaccinated or has to be able to be tested, I guess, the the quick test uh, at work. I don't know when that's supposed to be taking effect, if it, if it is at all. Have you guys heard anything? I have not. Yeah, he last week he said, you didn't hear last week, Dave? You've been so all over this. Uh, you know, big plan mandates through OSHA, um, you know, OSHA rules that companies with over 100 employees either – 
get vaccines or have to produce a negative test once a week. And this is part of the, uh, you know, unfortunate necessary situation to get more people vaccinated, just as a little bit of the, you know, the carrot and the stick. They've done the carrot. They've gave away millions of dollars. Now this is the stick. It's like, hey, if you haven't done this, you want to keep working. You got to do this. That's it. We can't uh, can't wait around for y'all anymore. Um, you have a choice. You can continue to get the tests, but you got to do it once a week. It's going to be a major pain in your butt. Or just get the vaccine, and that's it. And so the the story is people can read about it. They can Google search it. But the story is that many companies are very appreciative of this because it takes the responsibility off of them. What are we supposed to do? You know, government, man, they made us do it, so you got to do it. And they're actually happy about it. Wow. Well, I just, this this world is just unbelievable now that uh, just you can't keep up with everything. But uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, There'll be decisions. There'll be anger. There'll be people not uh, wanting to play and staying away. And there'll be other people that at the same token would say, hey, if you don't want to play, you don't want to hear, you don't want to succumb to the rules, then uh, just stay home. There will be a lot of people doing that. Uh, I did want to mention also uh, this tournament is over in uh, the WPT, uh, the online event won by Rocco Stisa. Uh, Peters had fallen back behind, as I mentioned. Uh, the final hand, um, Peters raised out of the box and to five million. Gostiza three bet him to twenty million, and the flop came six five four rainbow. Gostiza shoved, and Peters snap called for his last $70 million and had a set of sixes after the flop. Gostiza had pocket tens, but the river ten came on uh, the river, and uh, the two-outer gives uh, Gostiza the victory. So David Peters had a just had a tremendous year, and certainly nothing to be embarrassed about, but uh, kind of a hand that plays itself out, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and thank God it finished while we were on the year. So. Yeah. So uh, Gostiza wins nearly a million dollars, 959,000. Peters finishes second, 660. So uh, uh, Vlad Daurier, who from Austria, who finished very deep in one of the seminal hard rock tournaments in the last couple of years, took third place. Uh, not too many that I've heard of here on the rest of the list. But, uh, hey, what was the prize pool again? Prize pool... Uh, let's see. I do have it here somewhere. Uh, prize pool. 5.895 million. Nice. So still, still plenty of money. 50, I think it was a $5,300 buy-in, if I'm not mistaken. And first place got, what did they get? First place got just under a million. 1,179 players. Very nice. So I expect some big numbers still. I mean, there's still some, plenty of things that might keep lo- people away at the World Series. But, uh, you know, with it being just online last year uh, until the very end, I think uh, we're going to have a nice turnout. So we'll see uh, in a few weeks uh, how that gets underway. September the 30th, the first day, the main event starts on November 4th. Uh, just to talk a little bit about where the coverage is, some news came out today from Poker Go. So... This may be the time to uh, get a subscription. I think it's $99 for the year. Right now they have a special deal where you can get $20 off. Um, 
you know, I'm not here to promote them particularly, but this is the place where you can see a lot of things. CBS Sports will be carrying a lot of the uh, stuff, but on a tape delay, uh, you know, edited programs after the fact. Uh, they have announced that Lon McCarron and Norman Chad will be doing the commentary along with Jamie Kerstetter. So that will be fun to watch some of that stuff. But Poker Go came out today and says they'll be covering a good portion of 26 of the bracelet events. There's 88 altogether. Uh, there'll be extensive coverage of the main, which we're looking forward to. Uh, that comes, that, as I mentioned, starts on November the 4th, and we'll see plenty of that. But uh, they have a full streaming schedule of the 26 events that they are going to show, and it's a, it's a variety of things, which I'm very happy about. I like watching the mixed uh, events, and uh, we'll see the ladies' event will be uh, obviously a draw there, too. And uh, they have a whole schedule of, of uh, things that are out on uh, several different sites, including uh, Card Player and Online Poker Report, and you can check out that and follow that along. Uh, the first event that they're going to cover is the first week of October. So uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that when we get closer and, and how you can actually pick up these uh, things. But uh, it looks like they're going to have some really good coverage. And uh, I enjoy it. You know, a lot of people that might normally go and walk around inside the Rio uh, might be staying away because of COVID and uh, they'll have a place to stay up with everything as well. Of course, we'll have all results and, and that sort of thing here. Looking forward to it. Um, I, you know, we've had all these online events with a lot of players who we really don't know who they are. You know, they just go, but a lot of them just go by their online handle. Uh, so, you know, it's taken some of the celebrity out of the game. But, you know, there's still plenty of events, uh, the Poker Masters for one, with Negrana winning a, winning a, a, a title there. Uh, so, you know, it's, it, it's changed a little bit, but uh, I know it hasn't been for you anyway, Joe. <laughs> no, not really. You're not going to show up for a party when we uh, watch the main event, I guess, huh? No, I, that's about the only thing I'll watch is, is the final table or the final, you know, 18. Um, I hate when it's taped uh, for the most part, as you well know. I've, yeah. It's no secret. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So we'll see. Uh, the, I mentioned the first event. Uh, that will be the $25,000 eight-handed high roller on Monday, October the 4th. Uh, the heads-up tournament will be covered on the 7th. Uh, the eight-game mix on the 13th. The ladies on the 14th. Several horse tournaments and other uh, mixed game events. So uh, looks pretty good. Looks like it's going to be fun. Uh, do seven low ball. And the Poker Players Championship, the $50,000 buy-in event, is on Friday, November the 5th, that they'll be covering that one. And, uh, of course, uh, the main event will have a full schedule beginning on November 4th with the two-part final table on uh, Tuesday, November the 16th, and November Wednesday, November the 17th. So I'm looking so, forward to it, even if you aren't. No, I am no, looking forward kidding. to it. No, you know, I've just always, Listen, I love the stories that come out of it. Um, I can't remember this writer's name. He passed away too young, but I used to reading his love, reading his stories uh, in Card Player. 
you know, about the different events and, uh, you know, would write about all the special hands and things that occurred that, for me, were extremely interesting. I'm not sure if his name was Andy something. Do you remember? Andy Glazer? I believe that was him. Yeah, he died very young. Yes. And he used to write, you know, if you go back, because I know you had a collection of card players. I still got uh, them. I've got way too many uh, in my apartment. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I, I even subscribed when, when I wasn't in the casino business or be delivered. That's how much I enjoyed card player back then. And uh, I really, you know, enjoyed reading his stories. He, I don't know if you remember those, Dave, but, you know. Oh, you know, the, the 2,500 uh, high-low, you know, or PLO or, you know, seven stud, you know, high-low, uh, the Omaha. Uh, I just enjoyed it. You know, he, he, he was a great writer, and, uh, you know, for me, it made it, the way he wrote, it made me feel like I was there watching it. You know, he painted a, a very nice picture. Right, for sure. So, uh, yeah, he died way too young, maybe 20 years ago almost, because uh, I can remember that uh, a good friend of mine that I worked with uh, in, on the Internet site years ago uh, covered casino, different casino gambling, uh, was good friends with him, and uh, she was crushed when he passed away. But, yep. uh, yeah, we, uh, we've had some great coverage from Card Player over the years. That's really the only, the last Mohican uh, standing uh, for as far as poker coverage, we had all those magazines. Of course, I wrote for Annie up for many years. Uh, they have not published now in about 18 months. And from last I heard, they were trying to sell the magazine. But there was Bluff. There was All In. There was several uh, poker magazines, whether you bought them at the store or you just picked them up at your card room. Uh, there was always so much to read about the game of poker. And uh, I guess card players really the only one left. Uh, yeah, and, and you know they're they're almost a skeleton of themselves. I, I had forgotten because they had gotten you know thinner and thinner, you know, until you gave me some of your old copies of the card player. <laughs> and you, they look like real magazines. Yeah, you know? exactly. And uh, you know it's a damn shame because I you know really really enjoyed reading all the stories there, the different you know authors that that were there and columnists and. I enjoyed the hell out of it. Yeah, for sure. Okay, well, let's take a first break on the show, and uh, we will be back with some Poker Masters info, and we'll come up with a few other things. Uh, Certainly looking forward to uh, the World Series when it gets here. Um, Again, you know, the shortage of dealers uh, could be a major issue. There hasn't been a lot of talk about that lately, Uh, but I don't know. I have to think that, you know, people will have trouble leaving their uh, poker rooms to just for just six or seven weeks in the middle of the summer. Well, not the middle of summer because this is in the fall this year, but uh, for a good period of time because there's just not a lot of dealers anywhere. People have gotten out of the business, and uh, I don't know what you're dealing with over there, but uh, (laughs) there's good money to be made, and uh, it's an interesting job, but people have gotten away from it for one reason or another. Well, like I said, the big thing here, South Florida, so many dealers went to Texas, Dave. Yeah. And the ones who did stay don't want to go back to it because, you know, the fear of maybe catching COVID or, you know, tired of dealing with these people. Whatever the reason is, all I know is so many local poker rooms now have have gone to where they're going to run 
they're going to run uh, semi-schools, you know, to train people who want to be dealers because you can't get them to apply, you know. You can't right. get them to apply, and, and when they do show up, they're horrendous. <laughs> I, I mean, to put it bluntly. I hate to say that, but, and I don't say that ever about a, a break-in dealer because they're coming right out of school. But when I see somebody who's got, you know, dealing experience, you know, of six months or more, they shouldn't look as bad as I've seen them. Yeah. You know, so, uh, like you said, you make a really good living so far, and that hasn't changed much. So, um, let's see what happens. I'm curious to see how many deals they start with, if there's a backlog, you know, because what are we... uh, little over two weeks away from the start of the yeah two, it's about 16 days i guess is what we're so, still looking at all right well we'll find out soon enough okay uh well let's take a break we'll be back with more of the show when we return poker action line you can always pick up the show uh on soundcloud or anywhere you get your uh your podcasts uh, apple podcasts whether it's uh, spotify Uh, There are lots of places to pick up the show. Very easy if you're interested, and we hope you'll uh, listen to the shows, give us some comments, maybe subscribe to the show. Uh, Send us an email, lemondave at poker – I'm sorry, lemondave at yahoo.com is the place to go, lemon with two M's. And, um, you know, we're going to try to line up some guests. It's been a tough time the last year and a half, uh, and a lot of times – you know, it's uh, because we have to move the show around a little bit. But uh, uh, I know people like hearing from a lot of the players, and we'll see what we can do uh, over the next few weeks. Very tough for me, the Seminole Hard Rock Poker Open. I was really looking forward to that, and I went the first few days, and then I ended up getting COVID, a uh, breakthrough infection. I've been totally vaccinated, and I had to stay out of work for like 10 days and uh, it didn't feel bad after the first couple of the days, but still, you know, you can, you can be hard headed and, and try to do what you want. But, you know, someone like me uh, feels badly about, you know, infecting other people. And I basically stayed away for the rest of the event and uh, missed out on a lot of good interviews and, and good conversations, but there'll be other tournaments and there'll be other interviews. So uh, Stick around here today. We'll talk a little more about a couple of things. And we will be back after these messages on Poker Action Line. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, The prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. 
As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. And their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. It may be hard to believe, but people just like you are already saving money. FeedThePig.org makes it easy. Their simple savings plan teaches you how to start saving without going overboard. So you don't need to mooch off your friends. You gonna finish that grape? You mean the one in my mouth? You don't need to stop buying the necessities. What you're smelling is a natural musk. Ew. You don't need to be a medical test subject. How do you feel? Mostly okay. I... <laughs> Sometimes, though. <laughs> You don't need to get a second job as a stuntman. We need a new stuntman. Let's break for lunch. You just need an internet connection. Don't get left behind. Start your personal savings plan with the tips and tools on feedthepig.org. That way, you don't need to sell your soul to the devil. Fifteen bucks is the best I can do. All right, deal. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. And Joe, another edition of Poker Action Line, and our good friend Joe Castello uh, joining with us. We talked about uh, Joe's trip out to Vegas, and um, I don't think he'll be there anytime uh, soon since he had his vacation out there. But uh, Joe, you cover racing around the country, and uh, usually have uh, your finger right on the pulse of what people are thinking. Um, you had a big event over the weekend. Uh, what are you seeing in different parts of the country? Because uh, things are bad here, but uh, I think they're worse in other places. No, I don't know about that. First of all, you're incorrect about several things there. I will be in Vegas for 11 days in October. Oh, wow. Yeah. In October? Yeah. Halloween. Okay. For Halloween. NHRA wow. is out there racing on uh, Halloween weekend, and I will be there arriving on a Thursday and then leaving the following Saturday. So okay. my whole uh, you know live in Vegas experience will continue. Um, Very cool. Which Very I love cool. it. I love it. By day like you know by day eight, I usually feel like a resident, which is great. You know, get to know day, all, all day the, eight. Oh God, day I can't eight. imagine being yeah. there for eight days. The back alleys. I know. You know, you've made some friends with some real degenerate types in the shadows. It's good stuff. Joe loves it, right? Joe loves it. You know, I was just in Pennsylvania. Um, I don't think I don't I don't want to say like the, the mask wearing is not as much a thing everywhere that I go as it is here. Like I got back and went to Publix, and everybody's masked up in South Florida. South Florida is masked up voluntarily. Where I when I go to other places, they're not. They're not masked up. They're going about their business. You know, a mandatory mask in the hotel. Uh, in Pennsylvania, it was interesting, but some people still not wearing them. The bar, uh, people hanging at the bar, no masks, kind of laissez-faire about it. And I assume that it's because of 
two reasons. And uh, this is kind of what gives me solace because I go out there and I interact with a lot of people and COVID is a thing. In fact, one of our drivers contracted COVID and couldn't compete. And a, uh, a fill-in driver had to jump in and, you know, race on his behalf to get points and stuff for a championship series. A very big deal. But um, I think that everyone is either vaccinated or has had COVID. And for the most part, the people that I'm dealing with are in those two categories. The hasn't had COVID but is also unvaccinated person. I think they're rare, and that's what I'm starting to think as I, you know, travel around, at least in my bubble. Right. And so they have, you know, what this is called, I guess, natural immunity. And, you know, a vaccine It's hopefully they'll get it at some point in the future, but they don't need it necessarily. And so, you know, I, I have a mask. I, I put it on occasionally, honestly, doing what I do with media. It's impossible, really. Like... Put on a mask. Oh, gosh, I got to talk into a microphone. Take off the mask. Uh, that That's impractical and impossible. So I'm outdoors. We're an outdoor sport. There's some indoor activity that I, I do. I am as careful as I can be in that time. But I'm really kind of, you know, trusting in the power of the vax. And also the people that I'm interacting with, I know directly that many of them have had COVID already. Like I know about their cases. And so what can I do? I just go about my business. Right. I hear you. I hear you. Um, Pennsylvania, what was that like as far as uh, your, your people's reaction to things? Flew into Philly. Philadelphia uh, was interesting, and but we were in more of a, you know, Reading area. Everybody knows Monopoly, the you know, Reading Railroad, Reading, Pennsylvania. And they got a minor league baseball team there. It was great. It's Amish country out there. It was beautiful. Um, you know, the pandemic is a thing, but you're still alive. You're still living. You still go to a restaurant. We went to a place called Shady Maple, which is an Amish smorgasbord where you go and you pay 20 bucks and you can eat as much as you can. And everyone there is huge. Oh, my gosh. Huge people. Um, but, you know, it was interesting. It's a it's an interesting experience. But that's the thing. Life continues on. You have to find a way to live and deal with it. And businesses are open and people are doing what they want to do. And, um, you know, that's, that's it. That's it. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. Uh, um, let's move on to a couple other things. Uh, the movie, the card counter that I've talked about on several shows is out now, uh, has some implications from the Iraq war, but it's, uh, basically about a gambler. There's a good bit of poker in it from what I hear. And uh, early reviews have been pretty good. So uh, that will be uh, something I would like to get to the theater and see uh, or possibly stream later on. Uh, Also, in the movie version, there's going to be a documentary done about Doyle Brunson that's in the works. Um, They've been filming for the last month. They have a long way to go. Uh, He said it's the Dolly, Texas Dolly said it was the same group that did The Last Dance. Uh, so it will possibly feature uh, Doyle this year at the World Series. He had talked about uh, coming. Uh, and uh, three years ago, he, he showed he still had uh, his game when he finished sixth in the $10,000 no limit do seven low ball draw. So um, again, uh, that will be coming out probably, I guess, if they're filming it now, talking about something later in the year, but uh, 
obviously, Joe, I know you're a Doyle Brunson fan. Uh, one time you played at the online card room called Doyle's Room. Uh, I know you're a big fan of uh, a lot of his stories. Yeah, I, I really am, and he really is a larger-than-life figure because the only time I I didn't get a chance to meet him, but I walked right past him, and he's a big man, and as you mentioned, you know, a legend. You, you know, we didn't even mention the book, the, the so-called Bible of, of Hold'em. Super, uh, system. super system. Yeah. So, um, you know... He deserves this honor of having a movie about his life, you know? Uh, the stories that I've read that, you know, that either he's written or, or a writer has written interviewing him are fascinating. The stories in Texas, you know, the, the, the characters that, that were uh, poker, you know, going 40, 50 years ago, you know? The people who might have put the fear of God into some some other people who didn't want it that thought that you know poker was a uh, back of the saloon basement playing you know uh, criminals and 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 misfits you know playing poker and uh, I started playing poker you know not with those type of people but with my friends back when I was twelve thirteen years old so uh, I'm going to look forward to seeing that to to be honest with you so. Are you familiar at all with a player named Bill Boyd? With the player Bill Boyd? Yeah. No, sir. Interesting story I came across. Bill Boyd uh, was a was an expert at five card stud, and played back in the early seventies when the World Series of Poker first started. Uh, the first year was nineteen seventy, and in that first year. Um, they did not have that tournament. There was only a couple of tournaments, but they did have a five-card stud tournament in 71, which Bill Boyd won. There were 10 entries. Cost uh, He won $10,000. The next year, there were only two entries. He played head-to-head -head with another player, won again. And then the third year, and this will go down in the history of the World Series of Poker, nobody thought he could beat him, so he was the only player that signed up for the event. World Series of Poker bracelet champion with one player in the tournament. Guaranteeing himself the bracelet. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, when they did do it back in the 70s, it was a winner-take-all, if I'm not mistaken, for the main event. Uh, I think it was 10 players, 10 grand. Winner took home $100,000. No, no second-place money. Well, the very first year, they didn't even play it out. They, uh, they basically had a vote at the end of the tournaments, and uh, Johnny Moss was voted the player of the tournament, so he was the he was considered the main event champion. But um, Boyd is only one of four players uh, to have won bracelets in four consecutive years. Uh, Doyle Brunson's well, another. That, you know, Klein. the asterisk for the home runs in baseball, that if, if one of those bracelets, if that bracelet was in – for him being the only one ten to the tournament, that needs to have a little asterisk mixed to it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? uh, they don't have five card stud anymore. I, I, I don't see it played hardly ever. But um, the the great uh, poker legend Amarillo Slim once said, "I'd rather catch frost on my winter peaches than play stud with Bill Boyd." <laughs> That's how good he was. But a funny little story as uh, we look at champions over the past several years and. Uh, great old picture of Binion's uh, on the story I'm reading, and it was a field of one, and uh, that will go down in history, obviously. 
Yep, yep. I mean, wow. Uh, <laughs> field of one. Can you imagine? I wonder. I wonder how. Why they were so intimidated by him by playing five card start? I wonder if he was as aggressive as Stu Unger was when, when he seemed to be dominating those fields of a couple of hundred. Yeah, well, I would think if you uh, caught him bluffing a couple times, that uh, you know that would take care of some of that folding. <laughs> I would think. Yeah, I mean, anybody aggressive. I've seen this my whole life, Dave. Whether it's been in my poker room and uh, private games, you know. Somebody's going to be overly aggressive at one point or another, and it's usually early on in the session. And, you know, people gave way too much respect, you know, and like you said, eventually somebody says, this guy can't have that great a hand every single time. So eventually you catch him with a real crappy hand that he was just, you know, overbetting and just being aggressive to intimidate you. And once you lose that allure, you get a lot more people to call you. I wish, do you remember the name, Dave? Uh, I, we spoke about it many years ago, uh, that this guy would come in, and, and now I'm going to raise every hand for the first, I don't, you know, I don't know if it was Phil Hellmuth, or, but there was somebody else who was doing that. And, you know, at first people were folding, then they called him, they caught him with stuff. But that was a strategy that that man used because yeah, he, he like came back from the break. I can remember, remember that. I don't remember his name, but he basically was raising every hand, going all in every hand. Right, but but well, and I don't know if it's the same guy we're talking about. But this guy did it at the beginning as part of his strategy. Okay. Because you know nobody wants to be eliminated in the first hour. The guy would say he would play aggressive and. I believe he used the word, you know, I I assumed the role of being an idiot, you know, uh, poker player so that I could, you know, create an image that I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And then all of a sudden he tightened up after the hour. No one kind of picked up that he was no longer raising on every single hand. And when he did, they, you know, they said, oh, this guy's raising with crap. By that time, he had adjusted his play to playing with great cards. And it, it was, uh, you know, it was a, a big cheap gathering uh, maneuver that he did and Helmuth used to say that he did that r right on the bubble that I, if I'm not mistaken you know 15 20 years ago that was his MO also besides being late to tournaments right. was uh, you know raising every single hand when they were down to one or two players from the bubble because no one wanted to no one wanted to go in and be eliminated and be the bubble boy right it's always so a good I was going to say that's always a good strategy when you're playing against people who just really want to cash. And that's what he said. He says, if I had another professional player, I may not do that because, you know, we're not trying to just get in the money. We're trying to accumulate chips to get to the final table and, and have a chance to win the tournament. While people like you and I would be very happy, not to say very happy, but, hey, if we're that close to, to the money, to getting our money back and making a small profit – and possibly, you know, extending our stay, I, I'm, I'm pretty much folding everything except aces, especially back then, to someone, you know, with Phil Helmuth's reputation. And uh, it is. It's great strategy. That's what makes these players so great. They know the mentality. They're not even thinking about what two cards they have. They're playing your mentality. They know you're not going to call them. Right. So, you know, and they have, and they have the... Uh, 
the nerve, for lack of a better word, <laughs> uh, of not, you know, having a problem raising raising all those hands. So. Right, exactly. Uh, I wanted to mention about Negranu because he did win uh, one of the Poker Masters events. I wanted to run a hand by you quickly, see what you thought. Um, he was playing against uh, Nick Petrangelo, very good player. Uh, and Petrangelo, I don't have all the, you know, as, as all usual, I don't have all the information about the hand, like what the blinds were at that point or what the stacks were, but... I do know that Petrangelo raised on the button to 180,000. He had a seven suited clubs. And uh, there was an opponent there uh, that raised. Uh, no, I should say it was a Daniel that raised to 600,000. He had ace queen offsuit, ace of diamonds, queen of clubs. Uh, the flop came. Queen, ace, jack, so he flopped a pair. Uh, Petrangelo had, uh, you know, the uh, the aces. And Daniel bet 725000 got a call, and the turn was the four of hearts. So pretty much a blank on the river. And both players checked, which I found pretty interesting. What are your thoughts about that? Big Dave, I apologize. I, I, you broke up on me about halfway through the story. What was? What were, I heard you say they were holding an ace eight suited. No, an ace seven know. suited for Petrangelo, ace queen for Daniel. For Daniel. And then the flop came ace queen jack. So he he flopped the. Uh, he flopped two top two. And right, uh, then jack, the, the interesting point two. is when the four the blank comes on the turn. Both players checked. And then there was another four in the river, spades. Uh, Daniel went out big, betting $1.8 million. Uh, Petrangelo made the call, and uh, he, he admitted that he thought the check on the turn was a tricky but strong play by Negreanu. It was. It was because he bet the, the flop. He got called. Negreanu's hoping he's got a weaker race. Or, or a straight draw. And, uh, you know, when that four hit, he's going to... Negrano was never going to let that hand go no matter what the other guy did. So Negrano was just trying to confuse him to make the call. And that four on the river, the pairing the four on the river, was a beautiful card for Daniel. Because yeah. now you're not going to drop aces. You know? You're not going to drop two pairs aces, even though, you know... and. It was almost of I gotta call this. Daniel's got to show me, and you know, uh, the hand that he had to beat him. And uh, you know, there is a reason why he's in the Hall of Fame and has won this. You know, his, his is he still the tournament all-time tournament money leader? Uh, I believe so. I believe so. so. You know, there, there's a reason why why he's maintained himself as one of the greatest players of all time. Yeah, no question, no question. Uh, but the funny thing was, uh, it's very shortly after that, and, and uh, uh, Petrangelo was pretty much crippled. Uh, Daniel got pocket aces and uh, ended up uh, winning the tournament quite easily from there. Says, uh, Petrangelo only had uh, Queen Jack in his hand. So um, kind of ended a slump for Daniel. I mean, he's obviously played the heads-up tournaments, but he hadn't won a major tournament in several years. Had it been that long? I think so, or at least uh, something of this magnitude. Okay. 
Uh, well, uh, congratulations. He's, like I said many times on the show, he's definitely been one of my favorites. So I just, you know, just I've always enjoyed him. So for sure, uh, they just finished uh, a event in the Poker Masters with uh, uh, the eight game mix, uh, ten thousand dollar buy-in. Uh, Max Coleman, the winner of that one. Chad Eversledge, who lives down here in South Florida, finished second. Stephen Chidwick was third. Jeremy Osmus was fifth. And, uh, you know, I was looking at some of the tables out there, the leaderboard for the tournament. Because Negreanu won that one, he's the leader uh, on the on the Poker Masters leaderboard. Uh, Shannon Shore won the opening event. Uh, Jake Schindler, also from down here in South Florida, is uh, eighth on that list. And uh, Jake Daniels in ninth. So, Dave, hey. Go ahead, Joe. Well, I was just uh, jumping in here. I did receive a a word from Joe Rodriguez that he got called into an uh, emergency meeting for work. And so I am going to jump on here and co-host for the last 10 minutes of the show as you uh, land the plane for the Poker Action Line audience out there. As you know, Joe is a very uh, in-demand character in the South Florida poker world. And so um, I'm your guy. For the next ten minutes. Okay. okay. Uh, I know. What do you think about Negreanu? <laughs> ah, I gotta tell you honestly, this guy must be the biggest name in all of poker because he gets a mention on Poker Action Line every week. Well, I think Joe and I are big fans. Uh, Helmuth might be a bigger name right now, especially after these head-to-head tournaments. But uh, he's not as likable as Daniel. I think that was that's a big part of it that people uh, see him live in the dream with a beautiful uh, talk host, uh, poker host that he married uh, last year in a gorgeous ceremony. And, uh, you know, he has his bad times where he gets angry and that sort of thing and maybe has tarnished his image over the last year a little bit, but uh, he just seems to be a likable guy. I mean, he's very approachable at a tournament and loves to answer questions from fans. Well, not only that, uh, a couple of weeks ago, you may recall that I uh, forwarded you a, a text or an ad that I received. You know, there's that uh, program called Masterclass where Steven Spielberg will teach you how to, you know, shoot a film or or that kind of deal. And Daniel Negreanu teaches a poker masterclass. Now, Masterclass is not a sponsor of Poker Action Line, guys. And so I'm not suggesting you go get it. But I've heard so much about the guy from you guys. And then I thought, well, here he is teaching a masterclass for the folks at Masterclass to... Um, you know, have pick him of all the guys out there. I know he's a six-time World Series of Poker uh, winner and all, but I thought that spoke volumes, right? Masterclass right. with Daniel Negreanu. Yeah, I knew about that, and I did talk about it a lot more a few years ago. Um, I kind of wonder, uh, you know, there's a lot of teachers out there. Uh, Jonathan Little is a guy that we mentioned quite a bit That's also uh, does a lot of teaching online. Um, people... You know, I, I don't think they take advan- as much advantage of some of those things that, that they need to. I think a, uh, more of a beginner player might try to, to, to take care of that. But um, these guys that are experienced can add so much to your game. Well, if you're going to be good at anything, you have to be constantly on the pursuit of knowledge and constantly practicing. To be uh, just a casual player, I think you're going to bump into a ceiling. But that's the case with anything. And that's why I've found it so interesting to listen to you guys over the years because talking about poker or talking about car racing or talking about sports, 
a lot of the things that make you successful are the same things. Right, right. Very true. Um, what are your thoughts uh, now that you're you're on with me about the mass mandate at a poker tournament? I know you're not a poker player, but it's a serious problem, and you know there are people that are upset about it. But uh, and it and let's face it, we're all just tired of wearing masks. It's, it's tough. I like the analogy to smoking. Honestly, I like the analogy to smoking. Like once upon a time, everybody was smoking at the tables. And then, uh, I don't know if it's everywhere, but in a lot of places, that went away. And some people were not into it, and some people were into it. And they, they were other places, like maybe there'll be, uh, you know, COVID uh, tournaments. I don't know. But for these people with a big business and a huge stake and obvious tremendous liability, something that nobody thinks about, um, if they're, if they're going to have a vaccine mandate or production of a negative test, then I'm okay with no masks at the table if that's what they want to do. We're still figuring out a lot of stuff. Things aren't going to be perfect right out of the box. The mask is a better deal. But if you're going to be sitting there for, what is it, you know, hours? Hours. Hours. and hours. hours sometimes. And you can take your mask off while having a beverage, and you can take a mask off while having something to eat. And honestly, the whole mask thing, I support it, but... At the same time, there's been inconsistencies and things that don't make sense. Like you could be drinking a Coke and your mask is off, but when you're not drinking Coke, your mask has to be on. And so people carry the mask. They carry the Coke around everywhere, you know, trying to get around it. Uh, it's an imperfect policy. If they want to do something, that they're going to do whatever they got to do to ensure the success of the tournament. They definitely don't want the story that, X amount of players or so-and-so big-name player was infected at the World Series of Poker. They, that would be terrible for them, and potential liability lies there. And so, you know, at some point, you got to trust the management to make the right decision for their product. And so if this is what they're choosing to do initially with the vaccine mandate, now this, a concession perhaps, I, uh, I'm okay with it. Yeah. Uh, these people that uh, just bring up freedom and this is America and that sort of thing is, is kind of just rings pretty hollow to me. Well, yeah, of course. But there are always going to be 30% out of every 100 people on every topic you can think of that are just uh, difficult about it. And that's you can't, you can't allow them to run the show. And that's what we've been doing in the world for the past, you know, call it 20 years or so. Because now they have a voice on social media and text and they can write an email and all that stuff. Once upon a time, if you got a written letter, it was a big deal because somebody bothered to sit down and write a letter. And that was the only way to communicate your displeasure. Now people can go on and put people on blast and blow up on their social media and, and Twitter and all of that. And they got a bunch of people just like them saying, yeah. Uh, but the fact is that this is public health. Just like the vax people in the schools or the mask people in the schools. Guess what? Your kids are already getting vaccinated by a bunch of for a bunch of stuff. Are you suggesting that we shouldn't be doing that? That has nothing to do with your freedom. What about your right. shoes? Do you want to go walking barefoot into pub Publix? Do you want to go walking around barefoot in the public school system? Do you want to go walking barefoot around? No, of course not. You, you're not allowed to do that. That's uh, gross and disgusting, and you can't do it. And I don't care how free it makes you feel. Uh, you got to wear your clothes, bud. And it's a it is a hollow argument, and they don't really even mean it, Dave. They don't even really mean it. It's just no, I know. It's just yeah. a, to be difficult. 
Yeah. Uh, I, I like the analogy. Well, I, I can think of all the analogies that, that a lot of people make, like you have to stop at a red light. Uh, there's things that are just out there for public safety. Uh, I like the, the uh, seatbelt requirement. And, uh, you know, people say, oh, it's too confining. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think about it when I get in the car. But it's, it's a law that it really was enforced years ago because it saved lives. And, and this is the same thing. Well, also, it's insurance companies were a big part of it, right? Like you're willing to die in your car. That's your business, except someone's getting sued and someone, your family is going to sue because you went through the windshield and, and it causes a huge problem. So there's many layers to all of this that the average citizen is not even capable, sorry guys, of even thinking about, right? Of even thinking about. Yeah. The analogy that I created, and I'll part ways with everybody with this, it's a war. We're in a war against the virus Donald Trump said we were in the war against the virus, and that opinion has continued on. It's a World War V against this virus, right? Well, right. in a war, uh, World War II especially, there were times where there were air raids, sirens going off, and it was mandatory for you to turn off your lights. And everybody turned off their lights because if you left your lights on, the enemy, the Japanese or the Germans in real life, they would see where the targets were, and they would drop the bombs on everybody. And the one guy or the 30 guys out of every 100, they wanted to keep their Monopoly game going or they wanted to read. They wanted their lights on. It's their freedom. They don't have to listen to the government. They don't believe that the Japanese are going to bomb us. They don't care if the Japanese bomb us. They don't care about their well-being. They're willing to risk it, their freedom. None of those things mattered. None of those things stood up. You shut your lights. That's it. We're in a war. It's a public health situation. And that's what needs to be done with the vaccine, and that's what needs to be done with the mask, and you're never going to get everybody to fully comply. But we've got to beat the virus if our economy and our public health are going to go forward. And everybody wants that, so we just got to make the argument to those people a little better because they, you know, it's more, you know, like a cat on a leash. They just don't want to be on there, man, and, yeah. and, and yeah. they can be talked to. They're not totally yeah. unreasonable. I agree. Uh, a couple of things I wanted to mention briefly before we head out of here. Big charity event, a women's charity event, and I've always been a huge supporter of, you know, encouraging women to play poker. Uh, Maria Shriver uh, is involved in promoting this. She's actually going to be the host because she doesn't play poker herself. But um, it will be hosted by her and Lena Evans. Also, Maria Ho is involved, and it will promote uh, raising money for the women's Alzheimer movement. It's out in the San Diego area at the uh, Jamul Casino uh, and the chance to win a $10,000 main event seat and lots of poker gear. They'll have some uh, big name players like Chris Moneymaker, Greg Raymer, Phil Helmuth and Antonio Esfandiari are involved in uh, giving some lessons out there uh, and involved with the event. So uh, that's coming up as well. Also, uh, I did want to mention the Seminole Hard Rock. Uh, I told you that I didn't get a chance to do too much with the Seminole Hard Rock Poker Open. A very successful event again this year. 43 total events, nearly 20,000 entries overall, and the total prize pool over $21 million. Uh, and their guarantees were under $10 million, so uh, they kind of uh, were a little conservative on their guarantees and still knock them all out of the ballpark. Uh, but they have a big tournament coming up uh, in uh, November. 
November the 17th uh, starts the first event for the Rock and Roll Poker Open. Uh, always a big fall event there. A million dollar guarantee in the first event. $400 buy-in. There's a chance to for a small buy-in, a chance to win some huge money. That starts on November the 17th. And then later, the live stream uh, main event will begin on November 27th and conclude on December 1st. So we always uh, support what the Seminole Hard Rock is doing. Of course, uh, may have sports betting there by then. We'll see what happens. But uh, look forward to uh, covering more events over there in Hollywood. Joe, thank you for your time. Sorry Joe had to bag out early, but uh, we do understand, and uh, he'll be back on the show next week. We do appreciate you uh, downloading the show, listening in, and we hope you'll contact us uh, Lemon Dave at PokerActionLine.com. Uh, that's going to do it. We'll catch you next week on another edition of the show. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies. 